Welcome back to the Scorer's Table podcast. I'm William Robbins. I feel like I've been saying this every week here, but we've been we've, we've been off the last few weeks. Uh, I had some stuff in my personal life that came up, wasn't able to record, but we are good to go. We are back. We're going to be trying to do every week. We got a good episode. Carmelo Anthony's back in the league, so obviously that's what we've got to start off with, but joined, as always, by Julian McKay. What is good, everybody? I am... I am back. We are back. You know, feels good to be back. Shouts out to our uh, our longtime listenership, our first time listenership, our new members of the Scores Hive. Hey, thank you guys for your support. All of that. Yeah, it's 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 great to be back. You know, we got Thanksgiving just uh, just a few few days away. You know, you know we're out here. Will, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. Um, you know, busy, busy, but. Got a. We're, we're we're recording this before the Patriots uh, Dallas game. I'll be watching that. Um, <laughs> so, but by by the time the game is by the time this podcast is up, the game will be over. Uh, I'm not too confident about this game, so we'll see what happens. But I don't know. We'll see. Let's let's start right off with Carmelo Anthony. All right, let's do it. Since we last recorded, Hoodie Mello is back in the league, <laughs> and. He's had one good game, I guess. I don't know. What, what, Julian, Julian, what, what have you had to say about Carmelo Anthony so far this year? I mean, I mean, first of all, it is great to see Melo back. You know, he's doing uh, doing his doing his three point celebration. You know, three fingers hit the side of the head. It's, but he doesn't shoot. Oh, great! That's correct. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We didn't see much of that last game. But here's the thing: I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read Melo's stats for for his three games in the Portland Trail Blazers uniform against right, the Pelicans. Four of fourteen from the field, two of three from three. Against the Bucks, six of fifteen from the field, forty percent. Uh, excuse me, three of five from three. And last night against the Cavs, five of fifteen from the field and zero of eight from three. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, um, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, go, let's go let those marinate for a second. Ooh, so no. Melo's had Melo's had flashes. I watched a good deal of Trailblazers the last few games just because I really wanted to see what he looked like. And last night with Dame and CJ back in the lineup, I mean, there's obviously going to be some rust that Melo has to knock off getting back into the league. I mean, he's still, I mean, being 35 and being the same kind of defender that he's always kind of been is obviously not is not doing him or the trailblazers any favors but the fit has just been kind of off so far i mean he's he's looked his shot has looked pretty good and it had previously from three before last night but i mean there's just things where he's getting beat by larry nance and you just have to ask yourself i mean is the trailblazers window closing i mean what what exactly is the course of action with Melo? I mean, how long do you give him to to just kind of round into form? I don't know what form is for him at this point, but as good as as good as possible. I mean, Will, what do you think? So Carmelo Anthony, uh, you know, I like to look at box plus minus all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're getting outscored by almost ten points a game with him on the court. Ooh. He has been by far, in these three games, he has been by far, efficiency-wise, the worst player on their team. DeAndre Jordan-esque. Seriously. <laughs> so, I, it's nice to see Carmelo out there. It's cool to see him do the, the, the three-to-the-dome celebration. 
unfortunately, how he's played so far has kind of justified him being out of the league. He has shown no ability to adapt to the kind of game that he needs to be playing. He's been still forming up a ton of mid-range shots. He's saying all the right things in the in the press conferences. You know, I know I gotta take more three pointers, and we have to move the ball around more. Blah blah blah. He, he's averaging an assist and a half a, a game. He's assist and a half a game. He's but he's taking an obscene amount of mid of mid-range shots. He's I, I believe I believe in the three games that he played, he's he's already like leading the team in mid-range shots. It's just, he's shown no ability to adapt. Now, the Blazers are not losing because of him. Let's just say that. The Blazers (laughs) have a lot of issues, but he is certainly not contributing towards winning. I agree with that. I mean, this Blazers team right now, even with with Melo providing some reinforcements, it's still just, it's just sad, honestly. There's no other, I don't think there's any other way to put it. I mean, especially last year following the, the Lillard three-pointer to beat the Nuggets. I mean, what a, mm-hmm. what, a, what an NBA history moment that was, honestly. That whole series really won for really a classic. And this season, obviously, they're without Nurkic. Zach Collins is out till like February or something, I think. And, you know, they've been forced to, as we as we detailed last podcast, uh, Scalabissier is getting about mm-hmm. 20 minutes a game. Yep. Mario Hazonia's out there. Um, yep. And uh, Anthony Tolliver. I mean, it's just the guys are playing. And I just, this team just without Lillard and McCollum, they're just, even with them, it's, they're just not good. And they're just getting, even with Lillard back last night against the Cavs, they just got outplayed thoroughly. Yeah, without they, Kevin Love. Yes, I mean, albeit Jordan Clarkson was having one of his his heat check games, but I mean, last night, last night, Jordan Clarkson and Zach Levine combined for how many points? Like, I just seventy about about that. I mean, how many points did Clarkson have last night? I think he had like twenty six. Combined for like almost eighty points. Jesus Christ. Today in NBA history. <laughs> no, I just, I look at Carmelo play and I'm seeing a lot of, well, you need to let him like get into game shape. He's not in game shape. You have to let him, uh, you have to let him like play his way back in. You have to give him time to adjust. Be that as it may, because I think that shots will probably start falling more mm-hmm. the more he plays. But the type of shots he's taken are not good shots. These are not shots you want to be taking in an, in an NBA offense in 2019. He's taking shots that if it was 2004, sure. But the, the contested mid-range shots, the isolation, and I, I, don't, I haven't even gotten started on his defense. <laughs> Did you? Okay. Um, actually, yeah, I'm going to get started on his defense here. <laughs> How dare you stand there and point and yell at teammates while your guy is cutting back door on you? I do feel kind of bad for Carmelo just because, like, especially in the first game, like, he had, he didn't really know his teammates yet and knew, like, four plays on offense. That's so, fair, but that I doesn't mean, excuse getting beat back door. Like, just... Oh, no, he's been terrible. He's been terrible on defense. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like Frank Kaminsky on defense. <laughs> and at least Frank Kaminsky can block a shot. He's making Derrick Rose look like Gary Payton. I mean, it's, it's bad Dennis right Dennis Cantor look like slightly better. <laughs> Still not good. Yo, stop my guy, Ennis Cantor. He was good last game. He was good against the Clippers. He was doing uh, work. Debatable. Oh, come on. He was, he was debatable. He only played like 14 minutes. Steven's got to play him more. He was great. Not on defense. Rebounds, but they, they not still on had defense. It. He still had a positive plus minus. He was still like that, plus eight or something. I don't know. I think I think it was based on uns, uh, unsustainable offense, and his defense was not good. <laughs> You're so out on cancer. It's really fantastic. He got beat off the dribble by Frank Kaminsky in the <laughs> Phoenix game. Frank Kaminsky caught the ball on the three-point line, saw he had cancer on him, called a self-ISO. Frank Kaminsky <laughs> called an isolation in the year 2019, and then dusted <laughs> Cantor off the dribble. <laughs> oh, like, God. Like, <laughs> come on. Anyway, back to Carmelo. I made my day. <laughs> back to Carmelo. I just, I don't see his path uh, to, number one, how he fits with this team. And I think that's the most important thing. He's not... Carmelo is clearly not a great spot-up shooter type player to go with. Now, he can hit spot-up threes, but that's not what he likes to do, mm-hmm. as evident by the fact that in his first game, 14 shots, and 11, 11 of them were not three-pointers. Second game, 12 of his shots were not three-pointers. Excuse me, 10 of his shots were not three-pointers. Last game... Eight of his shots were not three-pointers. If you, if, for this Blazers team, what, 80% of his shots should be three-pointers? Well, I'm going to throw this at you real quick. This just kind of just, just darted into my brain really quickly. We're talking about the Blazers needing spot-up threes. What do you think about them maybe flipping Kent Bazemore, who, who has not been good this year, to back to Atlanta for maybe Alan Crabb? I mean, it's not terrible, but you, can't, but you can't trade a player back to the same team. Oh, really? Yeah, because I already ah, looked at the Celtics trading for Baines. Ah, that sucks. That sucks because they can. The Blazers could use Allen Crab right now, actually. Yeah. Not that Allen Crab is any great shakes. I mean, I was I, I sat through three years of him on the Nets, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, they just they just need some floor spacing or something. Just just three. They really guys. do badly and i don't know maybe portland could look into someone like tory craig you know one of my one of my old favorite yeah, guys but, on the Nuggets. who do like, they have to who do they have to trade for those kind of guys they're I, the only the only asset they have on their entire roster the only two assets they have are nas little and uh afrony simons or, and simons just and simons is untradeable at this point right he's gotta be unless unless you're getting i don't even know i mean I probably wouldn't give him up for Kevin Love. I wouldn't. Just thinking about the, wouldn't. just thinking about the risk reward and seeing the bigger picture. I think I think you have to kind of keep. keep I mean, Simon, out to him. Simon's is the CJ McCollum replacement. I feel like. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. And right now he per- serves as a perfect kind of seventh, eighth man capacity. But they've been playing him like a starter, and yeah. he's still like, Afrody Simon's might be still. 
puberty. I mean, that kid looks young. He's skinny. He like, like, he like, just like playing him like thirty-two minutes as a game. A game is just like it's just a little much. And, yeah. And I will say though, uh, Nas Little has been good lately. He has. Nas Little has he been has. good. He was he was a guy that I liked in the draft, if you remember. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm 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 happy. He's a he's a high energy type of player, and I like that. Definitely. But, I mean, and and his shot is, hasn't been bad. It's coming around. He's getting better. Blazers have a pretty good developmental staff, mm-hmm. and that is their only justification for not having a G League team. I was about to say that <laughs> is the fact that they actually are pretty good at developing talent in house. Uh, if you if you look at guys like Lillard, McCollum, uh, they made they made Pat Connaughton and Jake Lehman playable. Um, Simons, I mean they they have a good track record of working with these type of players. Speaking of teams without D League teams, I saw I was scrolling through I was scrolling through maybe my Instagram feed today, and I don't, I don't know even know how this came up, but guess who scored a bunch for the Windy City Bulls last night? Oh, that would be Bull Bull. 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 <laughs> Which if you're the Bulls. What incentive do you have to play him, though? I really don't get it. Fucking dumb. I don't know. Maybe it's like a gentleman's handshake. Like they'll they'll, they'll I mean, throw I them mean, like I a stick the, in the future. I mean, the Blazers pay them money for him to be there, but I yes, don't know. It just doesn't seem. If you're, if you're spending money on getting someone to play, shouldn't you just get a team? Like, doesn't really. I mean, it's ex- it's expensive, and G League teams lose a lot of money. But yeah, I get it. Now, so last thing I want to add on Carmelo. The I believe the deadline to cut him is January twelfth or fifteenth, somewhere around there. Uh-huh. Julian, hot take: Do you think he makes it to January fifteenth? Do you think he makes it past January fifteenth? If, if that is in fact the date, I can't remember. God, I want to say yes. Well, I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm I I just can't I just at this rate he's 35 I don't see his defense really getting any better I hope his offense gets better yep. I think it I think it will but with with Zach Collins eventually coming back and whatnot Blazers still I, and I think, Urkich, yeah I, th- I think Neil Olshey is a is a pretty good GM he is um. I with just, the, with just, the exception of the Evan Turner contract, yeah, um, not gonna not gonna let him get away with that one. <laughs> he was the man who signed Alan Crabb. It wasn't Sean Marks. He was the man who signed Alan Crabb. Who offered um, him the deal though? <laughs> and who I'm, offered the Otto Porter deal and the Tyler Johnson deal? I will defend the Otto Porter deal happily. Tyler, Otto Porter still uh, Otto Johnson less. <laughs> <laughs> A little less. Um. Uh. But, any, but anyway, uh, for Carmelo, I don't think he. I don't think he lasts till then. What do you think of? Well, I. I have to agree. The way I look at it is, once they get Collins back and once they get Nurkic back, they have more guys to play the front court positions. They have guys that will be capable of putting the ball in the basket, and ultimately, they're going to have to play Carmelo less. How is he going to react to that? He's shown very clearly that he's not, doesn't really, despite what he keeps saying, he doesn't entirely have the ability to to do that, uh, to take that backup role, to take that spot-up shooter role. Mm-hmm. He's, still, he's still taking 
prime Carmelo Anthony shots, just less of them. Uh-huh. And, and, and I don't mean less of them as in, like, well, well, he's cut his rate down. It just means that, like, he's not the focal point of their offense. He's naturally going to take less shots. Uh-huh. So I don't see how he, how he makes it. He's just so, so bad on defense. They're, the the Trailblazers' issue up to this point has been mostly their defense. I mean, their their offense, it's not great. It ranks 15th, but their defense is like 25th. Mm-hmm. Their offense will get better with Nurkic back. Their offense will get better with, with a stretch player like Zach Collins back. But their defense is the issue, and Melo is not the answer for that. I don't, I don't see how he, how he stays on the team. I'm with you. I'm with you. But this leads... This leads into another thing that's been starting up. It's the whole, well, if we're talking about guys that should be in the league, what about Jamal Crawford? Oh, Jamal Crawford, he's so good. Oh, he got 50 points in his last game. I brought, I'm, here's the thing. I want to say that, that, was my, <laughs> that was my impression of, of all the ESPN pundits talking about how Jamal Crawford deserves to be on an NBA team. Here's the thing. Jamal Crawford, one of the best six men of all time. Oh, Electrifying to watch electrifying to watch if you told me there's an argue if, if you told me jamal crawford deserves to be in the hall of fame i would disagree but i would listen to your point respectfully of course i would listen to it very respectfully jamal crawford legend legend he's been what he was in the started was he uh did he go to college or was he uh out of high school i'm not sure he got drafted in, in 2000 he's he's been in the league for how long? 2000 until last year. So he, he had a 19-year career, 18-year career. Yes, and here's the thing. We love, we, we love Jay Crossover, but everybody's saying Jamal Crawford deserves to— He went to, to Michigan. Just, he went to Michigan. Honest. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. I, I had no idea. Anybody— okay. okay, I have a massive problem with this entire Jamal Crawford pity party. I'm sorry. I don't want to disrespect Jamal Crawford. This this is a fucking pity party. It's annoying to me. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, Jamal Crawford. Does, he, he, not only should he just be on your team as a great locker room guy and a great teammate, which everybody knows, everybody knows him to be. Yes, assistant coach. People are saying, oh, yeah, he should get, get minutes on a contender. Tracy McGrady and Rachel Nichols and all the ESPN NBA jump people that I kind of hate watch on a semi-daily basis. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yes, he had 50 points in the game last year. It was great. Like, congratulations. But he, he had a minus 15 net rating the entire year. Jamal Crawford is, makes Carmelo look like defensive player of the year. Yep. I mean, he's, he's 39 compared to being, uh, being a, he's been a bad defender his entire career. Still pretty light. And from the field, he was what? He shot like, what, 38% last year? 33% from three? Yep. And and when Jamal Crawford is in the game, he's there to do one thing, to score the basketball. And as a a 39-year-old who's about to turn 40 this next year, I just don't see why he should be on an NBA team. Why people are acting like it's a fucking big injustice that he's not. It just seems dumb to me. Yeah, let's go over some very basic Jamal Crawford stats. <laughs> Number one, he's going to turn 40 years old during this NBA season. 40? 40. 40. It's not like he's like 34. It's not, it's not even like he's 36. 40. He's going to be turning 4-0 this year. That would make him the oldest player in the league. Now, Somehow older than, older than Vince? 
Sorry, Vince is 41. I'm sorry. You're right. Oh. You're right. You're right. Like, wait, wait, what was Vince? Oh, I forgot Vince was in the league for a second. Yep. So, yeah, last year, Jamal Crawford shot like 38% from the field, 33 from three-point. He had let – me, let me look at his defensive rating quickly. But he was a uh, – yeah, they got they got outscored by six points with him on the court. The Phoenix Suns uh, – so, granted, it's, it's a little bit skewed. It's the Phoenix Suns. But – defensively, he's never been good. He's never been a plus defender in his entire career. But last year was the was the first year since his rookie season that he has been a negative on offense. Ooh. And he was a negative on defense. He just, I don't, the reason this Jamal Crawford thing is happening is because last year he scored 50 points in his last game of the season. Mm-hmm. Sorry, 51 points. Last year, he actually closed the season on a on a good hot stretch. 19 mm-hmm. points, 28 points, 27 points, 51 points. But these are these were his games before that. Did not play, did not play, 4-0-8, did not play, 4-0, did not play, 5-8, did not play, did not play, 12-8, did not play. <laughs> and if you want to go even further back than that, it just he got a lot of uh, of DNPs and a lot of games where he didn't score at all. I just I, I don't I don't really see what place he has in the league like that. I don't see it either. I mean, when you're thinking about teams that could sign him, I mean, I guess, I guess the Bucks could use help at shooting guard, like. That makes no putting Jamal Crawford next to Giannis makes no but, sense. But Jamal Crawford's not an off-ball player either. Yeah, he's he's a guy that's going to walk the ball in his hand. He's not he's not a great spot-up guy. Now, can I tell you the single mo- most upsetting thing in all of my Jamal Crawford research? <laughs> Let's hear it. Do you know what Jamal Crawford's first name is? That's not his first name. Aaron. Aaron. His name is Aaron Jamal Crawford. I had no idea. I just learned that today. Ah, what do you know? Hmm. If you make his name Aaron, <laughs> just silence. If you make his name Aaron Crawford, we're not having this debate. Wow. Next, Aaron next, Crawford. next topic. Next topic. <laughs> I've got enough talking about these old guys that don't matter. I agree. I agree, man. KJ McDaniel's come back. <laughs> or Jay Hunter. All right, you ready? You ready for Hunter my? Patrick. You ready for our victory lap of all victory laps? Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm excited. Welcome to the Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultgasm part of the podcast where Julian <laughs> and I are going to rave about our two of our favorite players in the league, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. Two Wait, players just... two players that we would love if they were on a cooler team because I'm not trying to watch an Orlando Magic game. Disclaimer, now, please, uh, if you're under 18, please step away from the, the podcast for 5 to 10 minutes. This is about to be rated triple X. Um, no. <laughs> you're over the age 18, grab some tissues. Now, <laughs> now small, sorry, not Jamal Walker, excuse me. Jonathan Isaac last night had maybe his best offensive game of, of his career. 25 points. Nine rebounds, shot 10 of 16, four of six from three point, cutting off the ball, shooting without hesitation, 
created for himself. This is everything that that we were hoping Jonathan Isaac could end up being. It really he was is. fantastic. Fantastic. And, you know, when you talk about the, the, the magic, I, I didn't actually know that they had that Aaron Gordon was sidelined as well. So Vucevic and Gordon aren't out there right now because, mm-hmm. and, and I guess this makes Evan Fournier the focal point of their offense, which is a problem and should change because... Oh, wait, I want to read a quick Evan Fournier stat that I texted you earlier. Oh, yeah. So Evan Fournier last night, this was a this game did not go into overtime. This was a regulation game. Evan Fournier played 38, sorry, 34 minutes. He had 26 points. The Magic lost by five, and he was a minus 22. It's like when, wasn't Wiggins like a minus 28 on opening night? Something like that. In a game that they won by like one? Yeah, and he played like a majority of the game too. (laughs) But I think, but, but the difference is Wiggins didn't shoot well that game. Yeah. Evan Fournier scored 26 points on 48% shooting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have never seen that before. And here's the thing about the Magic. I mean, this team is pretty unwatchable because I think, I think Steve Clifford, despite all the recognition he gets as a defensive coach and deserves that recognition, he's a great defensive coach. Yep. I don't think he knows what he's doing on offense at all. Not like, a great I, off- I, No. Like, like, I don't even know what they're doing. I mean, Terrence Ross... It's not been great this year off of that $54 million contract. I think that's the exact figure. Don't hold me to that. There have been multiple games this year in which Michael Carter-Williams has taken more shots than Markel Fultz or Jonathan Isaac, sometimes combined. There was one game where he, I, I believe he was one of eight and one of seven from three. Michael Carter-Williams. Mm-hmm. Like, who is letting him do that? Like, Steve what, like, Clifford what, is. Like, like, what is happening? Does Steve Clifford get, like, get, like, incapacitated for, like, three quarters? Like, I don't understand, like, how that, that's possible. And, I mean, and, and I will say, though, I mean, Mo Bamba, I, I texted you this earlier, Will. Mo Bamba had, was pretty good last night, which is both good and bad because that's also, like, that was probably the best game of his career so far. Not, <laughs> not, not great. I mean, Bamba's been, Bamba's been up and down, I will say. I... <laughs> We're about to. Before we go any further, I think because we're about to we're about to go into talk a little bit more about our man Markel, Markel Fultz. Um, last last Friday, I was I was extremely drunk, and I drunk texted Will about the Orlando Magic. So I'm gonna read it right now on the podcast. Oh God, I don't remember this text. This is gonna be great. Oh. Oh my God. Bamba <laughs> just kind of sucks. <laughs> he. Has no idea how to play offense with like 10 E's. <laughs> Exude my drink ass shit remix, but it's accurate. That boys teach or trash, as I wrote below. Give the E bowl to my boy Fultz and Isaac, dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, okay, I'm I feel, tuning I feel next bad. week for Drunk Julian's take on Wendell Carter. <laughs> In the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah, I'm dead. Bro, I, I think that... And here's the thing. I, I feel bad. Mo Bamba's from Harlem. I still have some... I, I still have a little faith in Mo, Mo Bamba. He's still young. I he, don't. He, he blocked a shot like three feet away from someone last night. I mean, his arms, his wingspan is fantastic. He actually... He made a three last night. 
he's mm-hmm. showing something, but and I, and I hope it and I hope it develops into more. But I mean, he he has not he been might, good this year. Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba still might be good. I let me let me correct my previous take when I said I don't have faith in him. I don't have faith in him on the Orlando Magic. I agree with that. I think he needs a change of scenery. He's got so much talent, but he needs a change of scenery. This is not the team or the offense for him at all. No, no, but I don't want to talk about Mo Bamba. I want to talk about Marco Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. So here's, here's said, some quick give, things on Jonathan Isaac. Give the e-ball to my boy Fultz and Isaac. Let's do it, Will. <laughs> so Jonathan Isaac last night, it's funny because he's been phenomenal defensively this year. He has been, in my mind, the third-place defensive player of the year guy. And we'll get to who number one is in my mind later. But he's been great defensively. Last night, he was not good defensively, which Mm -hmm. is why it's so funny to me that he played so well offensively. Because I felt like last night, he was biting on way too many pump fakes. I thought that he gambled a lot. And, and with the long arms, he had four steals. So when you have those long arms like that, it is tempting to keep reaching. Because once you get a few steals, you, re- you recognize you can do it. You go for it. You gamble. It puts you out of position. And I thought that that happened a lot. He, he bit on a lot of pump fakes by by like Miles Turner and Sabonis. And those are also just bad matchups for him because he's so because he's so skinny. Mm-hmm. But if Miles Turner is pump faking uh, a contested mid-range shot, maybe just go for a contest and not a block. Like I feel like that's a shot that you can live with. Mhm. But overall that felt like a big game for Jonathan Isaac because in games typically in his past where he scores a lot of points and this is the kind of and this was kind of the Gordon Hayward thing of last year where it's like where Gordon Hayward scored 30 points against the Timberwolves or whatever twice but he missed like a total of like four shots in those two games. So in the games in, in so far this season with the exception of this one where Isaac scored over 20 he missed like a combined five shots. Last night he missed six. He shot 60% from the field or so, but he wasn't afraid to miss. He just kept attacking. He kept shooting. That felt Uh significant in his development. It wasn't just he scored because the ball went in. He scored because he was looking for his offense. I agree. Do you have anything else to add on on, uh, Isaac before we get to Fultz? Nope. I think think kind of like – no, it was a big step forward. It was a big step forward. Isaac is, I think, is, is the best player on this team right now. I legitimately believe that, and I think that, you know, he's got to, I mean, mean, yes, but like right now on as far as active players, and kind of what we're getting into about Fultz in a second, the Magic need to understand if this franchise is going to be doing anything that's not just making the eighth seed barely in the next few years, they've got to develop their young guys and stop playing veterans who don't completely make sense on this team like DJ Augustine, so thus will Markel Fultz. He is here. He's been playing fantastically lately. Last night he wasn't great, but he dropped Aaron Holiday. He dropped Aaron Holiday with a dirty cross because that's what my guy Markel does. Will, are we not basketball savants or what? So this is awesome. (laughs) I am am happy. Now, I I mean, okay. So I said on the podcast I thought Markel Fultz was going to be an all-star and an MVP. Hey, obviously I wasn't being like completely serious. I thought he was going to be good though. 
this year, and he has been. So this year, last game, what was so significant about Fultz, I thought last game, is that this was the first game in his career where I really felt like he had control of the offense. Mm. He took 11 shots. He shot 6 of 11. He only took one three-pointer, which is an issue, but it's an issue that will get sorted out. Mm-hmm. But he had nine assists, which I believe is his career high. And he had 13 points, nine assists, whatever, two, two steals, I think, one steal. But just the fact that the ball was in his hand, he was the one making the decisions. He hit Jonathan Isaac on a, on a bunch of those backdoor cuts. Mm-hmm. I thought that was huge. It was, it was the first time where it seemed like Steve Clifford said, okay, you know what? Just, just, just do what you think that you need. Show me that playmaking that was so highly touted in the draft. And it felt big. I mean, he played 29 minutes, which was the most minutes he's, he's played all season. Uh-huh. And he, he made smart decisions. He only had two turnovers. He had not, obviously, like I said, he had the nine assists. But he just, he looked decisive. He was hitting, he hit a few nice step backs. He had a few nice drives into the body of, of Miles Turner and uh, Sabonis, where he just bounced right off of them and was able to still control the ball and score. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, this is, these are the things, the playmaking and the ability to, to switch hands in the air, to, to score in traffic. Those are the things that made him the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Again, he took one three-pointer last night. Kind of an issue. He's made like five threes or something all season. Kind of an issue. But he's not afraid. He's, uh-huh. he's showing the things that... Because he was a great shooter in the draft. He was a good shooter, but he wasn't a great shooter. Uh-huh. So if you take away the three-point shot, I think that he's so far this year at least, he's lived up to the hype that was surrounding him in terms of what he could do with the ball in his hands. Julian, take it away. I, I completely agree. I almost have nothing left to add. I mean, this especially looks... This, I think you mentioned this earlier this week. It, this looks especially good on our resume compared to our, our MVP picks for the year. Not looking, too, not looking fantastic. In my to defense, Curry got yours, yours is a lot more defensible. Mine, hey... I, <laughs> yours, I, I, yours is rough. <laughs> yeah, Jokic is standing in line outside of Popeye's in Colorado somewhere as we speak, I'm pretty sure. Um... <laughs> Also, let me just say something real quick. I I get so mad when I see a lines outside Popeyes. I actually get kind of happy because, but, but but here's the thing: this chicken sandwich shit just makes me mad. It just makes me mad at the world. And I'm a positive person. Will I say once a day, once at once every single day? I say, you know what? I'm grateful for life, life and health. I thank the universe. But you know what? This Popeyes chicken sandwich. Who the fuck cares? Popeyes isn't even good. What, what do I look like standing in line for a chicken sandwich that isn't even healthy? It's got mad carbs. It's fried. Like, what, 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 are people crazy? Like, what is the world coming to for chicken sandwiches? Yeah, with people funny. People like funny I, haven't, I, I haven't had any damn good food in their lives. Like, what the hell is this shit? What's funny is I didn't even notice that there was a Popeye's near me until recently. And there's actually two pretty close to me. And I walked by the other day to go grocery shopping. And the line was, like, around the corner. And there's a wing stop right next to it. Go well, to Wingstop. Well, how the fuck is a Popeyes in Flatbush packed? Do people know about the food in Flatbush? Peppers jerk chicken, Fisherman's <laughs> Cove, Exquisite Express. Don't even get me started on the incredible Caribbean food in Flatbush. People lined up outside of Popeyes. Oh, come on. 
Those are the same type of people who think <laughs> Jamal Crawford should should be a starter in the NBA. Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? Fucking do some sit-ups. Go to the gym. God so damn. These, so these are Markel Fultz's <laughs> last few games of plus-minus. <laughs> in his last few games, he was a plus-9, a plus-23, a plus-5, a minus-4, plus-11, plus-3, plus-11, plus-8. One of those that was most impressive is that he was a plus 11 in a 16-point loss. Mm, true. That says something. That says something. I'm happy with how Marco Fultz has been playing. His jump shot still doesn't look great, but I think that this has been huge. I'd really like if him and Isaac were on another team. Me too. Come on, Popovich. At least a different coach. At least a different coach. DeRozan and, and for Steve Clifford. Fultz. Steve Clifford. <laughs> I think I think I think the uh, the magic laugh at that. I think they they take it. <laughs> I, I don't. Oh, I, do you think uh, the magic are, I think the magic are desperate for DeRozan. I think they really want him. I don't know why. I they they're, they're desperate I to would, give their fan base any type of success. I mean, the Magic fans were really happy when the, the Magic just even made the eighth seed barely last year. I mean, they were they were pretty. <laughs> I think they were they were ecstatic. Is is the Dwight Howard trade the first trade in NBA history? Where not only did the three teams that participated all lost, but just the league lost for like three years. <laughs> like it took the Lakers, what, five years after that trade to finally like bounce back. The Magic still haven't really bounced back. The The Sixers, I mean, Andrew Bynum was their cop in that trade. No, that turned out. Um, every team and every player lost in that trade. It's kind of impressive, honestly. It's like it is. It it, it shit. I I never thought of it that way. Wow. Somehow, I guess you have to say Orlando won because they got Vucevic in it. Yeah, Vucevic in that trade. Yeah, he was from Philly. Oh wow! I had no idea. Yeah. I guess Orlando won. Damn. Who would have? Who would have? Who would have thought that? That was actually in Orlando off or uh, off season because they also traded JJ Redick for like Tobias Harris, hmm, which is just a weird trade to think about. It really is, especially considering they were on the same they were on the same team last year. Yeah, um, yeah. Who even who even knows? But you know, I, I hope the Magic fire their coach and, and get more fun to watch. I mean, they're. They're a little more fun to watch now, but I mean, who even knows? But you know what? Well, I think we got to move on to our next topic, which I will be leading into. All right, perfect. Let's hear it. Well, you don't watch TV shows much, do you? Not, not really. No, I watch sports. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> although, well, although I started, I started The Mandalorian today. Great show. What is The Mandalorian about? I've heard about that. Was like a mandolin or something like. It's it's a Star Wars spinoff show. You're not you're not a Star Wars person. We don't even have to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well here's I'll the thing. Well, I, just, the time. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you. Last night at about seven thirty, I got some great chicken grop howl from my Thai spot and sat down to watch one of my very favorite comedies on TV or, uh, or uh, on my computer. That is, it's called the Knicks Offense on MSG Network. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, their, their, I, honestly, offense, their offense has not been good. 
Yeah, I, I just, I don't even know. I mean, I, I kind of watch the Knicks for comedic purposes at this point. And that leads into our next topic because, uh, I mean, we're not going to get into as far as the front office and ownership and all that stuff. I think the the, the ESPNs of the world and, and the, the Stephen A's of the world have probably given you all the information you need to know about, about those topics and whatnot. So what we are going to do is thinking about from a GM standpoint, player personnel and coaches. How well would you and I, respectively, fix the Knicks in three easy steps? Okay, Look, so, so I'm so I'm ready for this. All right, let's do it. So that was I, I came with the drama that time. So number 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 one, I think I think Fisdale has is at the end of his line. Mm. Uh, at the end of the team now. I don't think I don't think Fisdale is particularly great. I have not been impressed with his X's and O's. I have not been impressed with his rotations, his lineup decisions. But that being said, he's a great. I would love him as an assistant coach. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, you mean to tell me you're not last night? You weren't floored by the Marcus Morris Julius Randle pick and roll combo. <laughs> Although in Cleveland they're running a Kevin Love Tristan Thompson pick and roll and it's working so. I still don't know how that's a, I mean, one of those guys can hit three pointers. I mean, that's on a consistent Fair. basis. So I'll say that, but <laughs> Fair, but I, th- I think that, I think that first steps first, it's, it, you have to, you have to get rid of Fisdale. And the main reason is just simply because he doesn't seem to have a great control of the team. Hmm. I'm not sure how much the players are playing for him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much the roster is doing him any favors anyway. But Wayne Ellington needs to be playing a lot more. He needs to figure out, okay, wait, Dennis Smith Jr. and R.J. Barrett should not be on the court at the same time. Mm-mm. Maybe it's not a great idea to start three, three power forwards at once. It's not. Okay, maybe R.J. Barrett shouldn't be playing over 38 minutes in every game. He shouldn't. It just there's there there's some things that I don't like there, so that would be my first move. Would be you have to find a new coach. For and me, I, my first. Oh, yeah. Sorry, oh I, was, I was gonna say my bad. For me, my first move um, is is I would call my friend, my man Evan Seitz up. That's my man right there. Just came back from Rome, and you know what? He's been, he's been he's got his dad flies around a lot. You know he's got some around around the globe. Got some global entry and whatnot. He just came back from Rome. I'm excited to meet with him in a few days. Well, you'll see where I'm getting to here. Um, <laughs> I feel like I know where your head is here, but... I would I would hit him up because I would use the password to his account because he's got frequent flyer miles. And I'm going to need those frequent flyer miles when I buy Dennis Smith Jr. a one-way ticket to, like, Thailand or... <laughs> <laughs> or New Zealand or <laughs> some country on the on the... I don't know if we're in the Eastern or the Western Hemisphere, but... I'm sending him to the other one. Um, Dennis yeah. Smith, here's the thing. <laughs> I got, first things first, Dennis Smith has been really bad this year. I, don't, I feel kind of bad because, you know, he's been, he's been struggling with some, some personal issues and whatnot. I'm sure that has taken some kind of effect on his play. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and the, here's the thing with Dennis Smith. He has these moments in games where he draws you in with his athleticism, and he can make some plays. Like, he had a nice... A, a nice, a, a nice play last night where he cut in, found a wide open shooter in the corner. Nice assist. You know, he was, he was kind of bouncing up the court, and it's like, wow, okay, Dennis Smith. And then, like, 
two, three possessions later, Will, as you, as I know you saw, he passes up and he pump fakes and passes up a wide open three pointer. Wide open is the understatement of the century. <laughs> wide open suggested there still might have been people like 15 feet away. I don't know if there's anyone on that side of the court. <laughs> and there's a reason because Dennis Smith and three point shooting don't exactly. Uh, I've seen better relationships in my life. <laughs> um, and he dry he, he pump fakes, passes up a three, drives in to throw up a wild layup without really any, you know, thought of passing, which is also kind of a consistent theme in DSJ's play this year. And DSJ has ability. He he does. He has athleticism. He has, I, I think, some potential. But it, it it ain't on this next team. It, it's just not. It's just not. This, this it's a bad fit. It, it was from the start. I think first for me, you got to send DSJ elsewhere. Will, what's your second step? My second Smith is, is looking at the roster and seeing who are actual people that you feel like you can build around. Mm, true. And I feel like it's a, I feel you have to look at the roster and say, who are players that if we were to make it to the playoffs, who are guys that we believe are capable of playing? And the only guys that I would look at are the young guys because Morris, Randall, Portis, Gibson, Ellington, what Reggie Bullock, none of those guys are going to be there probably after this year or next year. Nope. So looking exclusively at the young guys, and I think that RJ Barrett is the guy you got to build around. I think 100%. that Knox, I think that Knox, I'm out on him. Yeah, I I think I think that he is the as I said last night in text I think that he's the youngest keep getting them checks guy in NBA history. <laughs> I I just I haven't seen the level of improvement I was hoping to see. Uh, I think that he was probably I, I I'm not going to I'm not going to crap all over the draft pick. I actually thought he was going to be pretty good, but he just hasn't really improved to the level I thought. Get what value you can out of him. Mm. Nilakina, I like. I think he's a player you have to keep. I think that he fits really well with Barrett. Mitchell Robinson needs some seasoning. That's why I like having Taj Gibson on this team. But I think that Robinson is definitely someone that you can build around. Not not build around, but use in that Clint Capella type role. I'm going to stop you real quick on Taj Gibson. Um, I think the fact that Taj Gibson is starting for the Knicks is a crime against humanity. Oh, I never said to Robinson start. On the... Okay, okay. I was like, I never I was said like, to start he's, he's nice I just to... like having him on the roster. He's nice to give some seasoning to Mr. Robinson, but Robinson's been good lately. The Knicks got to play him. Like, what are you doing bringing him off the bench? You got to start him. He's good. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. He hasn't been great. He's, I don't know. I just I haven't been in love with how he's been playing this year. He still gets into some crazy foul trouble. He jumps mm-hmm. on every pump fake. Uh, I don't know. I he's he he had a good stretch there for a little bit, but I really feel like he needs to learn rotations better. He needs to figure out what he's good at and what he's not. Yeah, that's all fair. I mean, when when I when I think about the Knicks, as far as it, this is a team that, as far as getting young talent, the Knicks have been been pretty good in recent memory. As far as Nilakina is really, Nilakina's been good this year. He's yeah, been he's underratedly been good this year. He's been good. Like he's, he's been still good. Like, what, yeah, he's like what twenty two, something like that. 
Yeah, yeah. and I mean, when you think about Nilakina, Barrett, he's twenty-one. He's twenty-one. Nilakina, Barrett, Robinson, and Trier, with maybe Knox sure. on the, per- and maybe Knox on the periphery. That's a young. That's that's not a great young core, but that's a that's a that's a core you can build around. You got to keep playing those yeah. guys personally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I just alluded to my next one. I think that Trier is a guy you, you should trade. I think Smith Jr. is a guy you should trade. I like Damian Dotson. He's a guy I'd try to keep around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Wayne Ellington. I think that he's a guy that, that's, that's good. Um, obviously a little bit older, but whatever. But I think that, yeah, you need to look through the roster and figure out what type of players are the correct players to build around R.J. Barrett with. And mm-hmm. I think that the model to build around him is is guys that can shoot threes that can cut off ball because you ultimately want the ball in Barrett's hands. Mm-hmm. That's what he's best at. You want him being the one to make the decisions, and he's not a great shooter, so you need to have the spacing around him. Mm-hmm. I like having someone like Mitchell Robinson there with him as like a, some kind of lob threat, but ultimately you need to get good shooters, and that's the problem with their roster right now. Is I think that they have what two good shooters on their roster in Ellington and Dotson. Damian Dotson, a good shooter. Too, like, I think, I think pretty he's good, not shooter. bad. Yeah, yeah, that's it's better than that's more. I guess Bobby Portis, pretty good, especially for his height. I mean, I no, I'm I'm out on Bobby Portis. <laughs> I think I think that our our. <laughs> Our enthusiasm when, when, uh, when discussing the Knicks three point shooting personnel is kind of speaks for itself, I guess. Yeah, regardless. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. So if I was if I was moving forward next off season, I was looking at their salary sheet. They can basically get rid of uh, of Morris, Portis, Gibson, Ellington, Payton, and Bullock all next year. They can get an um, asset for Ellington right now. Right now, they can get an asset for him. Yes, yes. Now he's, he's Gibson, good. He's still good. Yeah, Gibson. Um, yeah, Gibson has. Uh, sorry, they cannot get rid of Randall. They cannot get rid of Randall. He's still on their team next year. But Gibson has a one million dollar only only a million guaranteed for next year. Same with Ellington. Same with Peyton. Same with Bullock. So I think that those are all guys that you need to move on from. I would try to trade Ellington this year. Good shooters are a um, are very scarce, and he doesn't make that much money. It's eight million dollars. It's certainly not outrageous for a three point shooter. It's a lot, but it's not outrageous, mm-hmm. especially only for one year. So I think that those are all guys you need to move on from, and then kind of figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their roster building around RJ, which leads me into point number three. <laughs> cap space is an asset cap space is an asset cap space is an asset cap so space next is an off asset. season next off season i wouldn't be in a hurry to even spend the cap space on one-year deals sign guys if you feel like they are a good fit for the team and are young and you can build around with rj if your target is the is the offseason, uh, not next year, but the year after that, then that's fine. But then build a good complementary team around what will be next year. That was the Bingo. problem I thought I thought with this year is they went into the offseason with two max contract spots. 
but the rest of their roster was not ready for contention. At least mm-hmm. the net, they had the two the two spots, but they also had guys like Joe Harris. They had uh, they had Levert. They had Jarrett Allen, Dinwiddie. They had guys that you can play in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So you need to figure out which guys are going to be the ones to entice the stars to be like, these are the guys we're putting around. Giannis, these are the guys we're going to put around you. You're going to come in. You're going to be the best player in franchise history immediately. And not only that, he'll be... If Giannis signs in New York, he'll be the best player of the most famous team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's that's significant. So I feel like signing someone like that isn't out of the question. You just have to build the rest of their roster to a level where stars will be like, okay, this is intriguing, not just count on the fact that we're the Knicks. A, yes, and B, I will... I'm I'm going to add two last points to the Knicks. Point number one is that the Knicks need to, whether it's David Fisdale, whether it's someone on that, that, that coaching staff or team in general, needs to watch Julius Randle from last year. Needs to watch Julius Randle for, from last year. The Knicks are having him like pick and pop and stand at the three-point line, trying to take long jumpers and threes. That's not what Julius Randle's game is. Did they watch him last year? Last year... He was great in the pick and roll and also fantastic with his timing and instincts and whatnot as far as trailing guys to the rim. Can do some work in the paint, whatnot, and he, he played. He was very good last year. I, I, I was not mad at that Julius Randle contract this offseason. I was not mad at it whatsoever, whatsoever. And, it, and, it, and he's not been good so far. He's been a no. shit show for the most part. And Randall is good. They're just using him in the worst way possible. I just I just don't get it. Well, I think a big part of that is the fact that, that he unfortunately is like usually the second or best or sometimes even best shooter on the court for them. Big problem. So I think it's also a problem with personnel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to move on to our next topic. Mm-hmm. Let's and do this it. Is kind of a combined topic. So we're going to look at two teams here. We're going to look at the Lakers and the Celtics and whether we're buying or selling their hot start. Mm-hmm. So, number one, the Celtics. Which also, we're going to start off when we talk about the Celtics. We're going to talk about both of our Defensive Player of the Year picks. <laughs> Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart. Now... Let's talk about the Celtics right now. They've lost three out of their last four games. Even still, they're eleven and four on the season. Their last, their last, uh, their three losses that they've had most recently have been by a combined seven points, which really shows that it's not, it's not like they're. Th- there's a difference between when you lose by four or one, and when you lose by twelve. I, I completely. That, it shows that they're still competitive. Um, yeah, and if you take out the, uh, if you take out their first loss to Philly, that means that all of their losses this year are by a combined score of like seven. So really, really, a lot of those games could have gone either way. They lost to Sacramento by one. Smart missed at the buzzer in what was perhaps. I mean, you can agree or disagree. One of the cruelest misses I've seen. Uh, where the ball <laughs> sat on the rim for probably about three seconds, it rolled around, hit every part of the rim, looked like it was going to go in, and then bounced out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they lost to Denver last night in or two nights ago in a game where it looked like Kemba Walker might be paralyzed. Uh, so I'm going to excuse that loss. <laughs> I feel like I feel like when if someone on your team suffers a traumatic injury, that loss is excused. And then they yeah, lost I, I agree with overtime, that. And then they lost in overtime to the Clippers in a game where I will either get to or I won't just because it was so upsetting a lot of the stuff that happened and the fact that they blew a 10-point lead with like a two and a half minutes. Mm. I didn't even know that happened. I think they were I think they were up by nine with 217 left. Mm. Which is which is not good if you lose that game. Yeah, I mean personally I didn't even know the Celtics had dropped three of their last four. It didn't doesn't really feel like it. I don't know why. It doesn't I feel like this is still a really good team. This, they're at the very least, uh, just a little bit. They're they're just like kind of one guy away from I think being a complete contender for the East. And honestly, they might be right now. I mean, we need to see more from Tice and Robert Williams and whatnot up yeah. front. But I think this team I think is, this, yeah. I mean saying? this year, yeah. This year, um, Tice has been good this year, uh-huh. and he. I believe I, I don't know if this, this is still true. At least before last game, he had the highest block rate in the NBA. Oh, wow! Um, so he's been playing very well. Robert Williams, you, you you can take your Mo Bamba song and apply it to him, but he still, shows, <laughs> he, still he still shows a lot of potential. I think another big part of this team is the fact that as that is the fact that number one, the first few games of the season, Gordon Hayward was the guy that the offense was going through. Um, and he really had been their best player offensively. So actually, I am going. To, I actually am going to buy their hot start. Just because of the I. fact. What's that? As am I. Yeah, I just I feel like I feel like they. I feel like Gordon Hayward's going to be back in two weeks or so, three weeks. Kemba's probably going to miss about a week, and then they're they're really they're they're beating good teams. It's not like they're losing to to bad teams. They beat the Raptors. They beat the Bucks. They beat they beat the Spurs. They beat the Mavericks. Um, they they lost by three in overtime to the Clippers, who are probably the best team in the league. In mm-hmm. in. Co- and Kawhi and Paul George were both playing that game. Uh-huh. And then Denver, they lost by four. But I'm really going to give them the benefit of the doubt—the benefit of the doubt in that one, just because of Kemba. No, I'm completely with you. I think this—I I think that this team is very good. I think they're really good. Tatum and Brown are both playing at all-star levels right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Of course, and, yeah. And, and, and they're damn good. Kemba's going to be coming back. Hayward's going to be coming back when that when I see a few more weeks. When we see a few more weeks from all from those four guys all together, we're going to learn a lot. But I'm excited. Yep. Watching the Celtics this year has been really, really fun. It's been legitimately fun. Yeah. So here's so here's what I here's what I'm most excited to get to mm-hmm. with the Celtics. Their defense. They rank number five in the league on defense this year. And when I was kind of evaluating the Celtics, I was looking through and I was like, okay, but who's going to replace Al Horford's production? both mm-hmm. on defense and in terms of playmaking. The answer is Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's been fantastic. 
Do you know who leads the league in um, – well, obviously the answer is going to be Marcus Smart yeah. now. But <laughs> so Marcus Smart this year leads the league in clutch time assists. I didn't which know that was shows, Yeah, so in games that are decided by less than five points, in the last three minutes of the game, Marcus Smart does not have a single turnover and leads the league in assists in that yeah. category. Which shows that they are literally just putting him in the Al Horford role. The same way how at the end of games with Al Horford, they just said they gave the ball to Al and they created off of him. They're doing that with Smart. Uh-huh. And the especially impressive part about Marcus Smart is that he's, he this season he has defended everyone from Devin Booker to Luka Doncic to Kawhi to Giannis to Julius Randle to Kevin Love. And he's shutting them down. Mark Smart is six foot three, and he's shutting all these guys down. So I'm going to read a few stats off to you about mm-hmm. Marcus Smart on defense. But before I do that, all the proof you need about my Marcus Smart defensive player of the year nomination. Did you see that steal he had at the end of the Clippers game where he stole it, dove at it, and threw it off Kawhi? Oh, fantastic! Oh, going headfirst into the table. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's that's all you need to know. That's Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart uh, Marcus Smart is the epitome of play this game as if it could be potentially your last. Mm-hmm. So Marcus Smart defended Giannis for five minutes in the in the uh, Bucks game. So in five minutes against the reigning MVP, Giannis took two shots, shot one for two, and had four turnovers. Mm. In, against Julius Randle, Four, four and a half minutes of defending him because basically the Celtics, what I like about how they've been using Smart on defense uh, is that they basically use the first three quarters and play him as like a free safety mm-hmm. and basically just like guard the weakest guy but help out with everything. So yeah. if you see someone getting back down, go double. If you If you see a passing lane, go steal it. So they're basically being like caused havoc for three quarters. And then in the last quarter, we're going to stick you on the best player. Mm -hmm. So in, in the four and a half minutes of defending Julius Randall, Randall scored four points and had three turnovers. He defended Kevin Love for nine minutes. Yeah, exactly. He defended Kevin Love for nine minutes. Kevin Love had eight points and one turnover, which basically at the end of the game, Kevin Love had Marcus Smart in the post. Kevin Love calls an ISO, starts to post him up. Daniel Tice comes over to double. Marcus Smart waves him off, strips the ball from Kevin Love. Kevin Love is six inches taller than Marcus Smart. <laughs> inches Devin, don't matter with him. No, they, they Devin, just don't. It's incredible. Devin, and then those are against big guys. Devin Booker scored two points in five minutes of coverage. Luka Doncic shot one of six in, in eight minutes. Kawhi Leonard shot one of eight in six minutes. Marcus Smart is defending everyone, and he's defending at an incredibly high level. Last year, I thought that he was defensive. Or last year, he was defensive, uh, all defensive first team. But this year, he has been insane. And I think that he's been defensive player of the year. How many guys in the league, especially as a, as a guard, can guard one through five without needing a double team? 
Yeah, that's a that's a that's a rhetorical question. That's that's that, that's he's he's been fantastic. He absolutely beasted Porzingis this year. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, poor, poor Porzingis looked like he didn't even know. He wasn't like he wasn't sober. I mean, and, Smart and what's just fun, ripped him. And what's funny is Porzingis in the off season. Remember how he did that whole interview and he was talking about how he he watched a ton of film about how Marcus Smart shut him down, and Porzingis was like, "Yeah, I'm, I spent all off season learning how I can like." Post up against these smaller guards, it's like like that matchup against Smart taught me a lot. He's yeah, gonna have to, to go, go back, back to the film room <laughs> <laughs> because Mark Smart did it again. Anyway, yep. right, I'm buying Celtics Smart. Smart has been fantastic. He has been forever about the Celtics with Marcus Smart. He is not their best player, but he is their most important player. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we lose. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, Marcus Smart this year, his shooting has not been good, but his shooting from the field has not, and it just doesn't matter because he's that good on defense where you can live with the fact that he shoots like 2 of 17 in a game against Dallas or whatever. Uh-huh. And that's it. I've, right, I've so we're, both fine. we're both fine at Celtics hot start. Our last and final topic, the Los Angeles Lakers. 14-2. and two. They've looked good. Second in the NBA in defense. Seventh on offense. Julian, are you buying or selling their, or their hot start? I am... I, 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 don't, I don't want to do anything with their hot start because the Lakers, the Lakers have been good. LeBron's on as a bully. He and AD have looked unstoppable out there at times, but and and like you said to me this week, you can only play who's on their who's on your schedule. Mm-hmm. But looking at who the who the Lakers have beaten this year, not a single team that's except for Miami that's currently in the playoff picture. Oh, and Utah, and Utah. Mm-hmm. They beat Utah, even though Conley was looking really terrible in those those first few games of the year. But, yeah. but exactly, exactly. Just just for our listeners, I'm just going to run through who they've beaten this year. Jazz, Hornets, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Spurs, Bulls, Heat, uh, Suns, Warriors, Deer and Foxless Kings, Hawks, Thunder, Thunder. I'm sorry. Grizzlies. I'm just not, yeah, I'm just – Grizzlies. I'm just not that impressed. I'm just not. I'm sorry they barely beat the Grizzlies last night. I will say, though – we we've been very vocal on this podcast about Kyle Kuzma and the three points. He's been great lately. He's been fantastic. He's he's yeah, like we, he's living he's we, living we up bullied, to his public billing I, now. We bullied Kyle Kuzma into becoming a three point shooter. That might be our <laughs> biggest contribution to society right here. Shit, honestly though, um, I mean it's gonna be interesting. The Lakers are against the Spurs tomorrow night against the crappy Pelicans team on Wednesday. Wizards, Mavs. Finally, on December third, I'm ex- December third. I'm very excited. Lakers Nuggets. That's a big test. I love that how they're playing lately. They 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 really. I, I don't want to say they put on a clinic because James Harden did just go for twenty seven, which is just like that's just regular James Harden at this point. That's kind of below average for James Harden. That is below average for James Harden. Yep. But the Nuggets look good lately. Jokic was was very good against the Rockets. Um, either bench was looking great. And he rewarded himself with some more Chick fil A. <laughs> you already know and in this Nuggets team when in, in even without Porter and Beasley they're 10 deep when everybody's playing well they're 10 deep so I'm, I'm really excited to see the Lakers against them 
But but like but like I was saying, I think the Lakers are probably gonna end up what? What are they now? Like fifth, like thirteen and two, fourteen and two? Fourteen and two. The yeah, Lakers so let me... be if, if the Lakers beat the Spurs, I think they will be they will be seventeen and two going into their next matchup with Luca on Sunday, December first. They're gonna be seven they might be seventeen and two. Everybody's gonna be buying Lakers stock. I'm sorry, I'm just not yet. I need to support against high quality opposition for me to buy into this Lakers team. Will, the floor is yours. Yeah, I'm going to explain why I'm not buying their hot start. Uh-huh. And it's it comes down to the simple fact that I think that they could be really good with uh-huh. LeBron and Anthony Davis on the court. But LeBron and Anthony Davis on the court together has happened 15 out of the 16 games. That, to me, is not sustainable. Yeah, that's, that's the not point. that's the not sustainable part. Not the way they're playing. Not not the way not the way that they look with all this. Just the fact that LeBron and Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, a historically injury prone player, and LeBron, a player in his 18th year in the league, 17th year in the league. I don't have faith in them to play all 82 games. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis has already already has what 12, 12 different injuries between his. His, his shoulder, his elbow, his knee, his hip, whatever. And eventually they're going to start having to miss games due to injury. And that's when the wheels will come off a little bit. I still think that come playoff time, they're an incredibly dangerous team. Mm-hmm. But I am not buying their hot start right now because I don't have faith in just their two best players being able to stay on the court long term. I agree with that. I think that's a great point, especially when you're thinking about load management, trying to obviously trying to keep these guys healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Also, just Dwight Howard has played a lot really well. So, unsustainable. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm, 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 not, still... I'm, not, I'm not sure that Dwight Howard will still be an active member of this roster come playoff time. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not buying. I, you know, I, I, it's, it's nice to see. Hopefully Dwight maybe turns around his career. I mean, it's kind of too late, I guess, but I mean, tries to turn around some of the narrative for his career as far as being a terrible teammate, as far as all the locker rooms. Well, they've loved him so far this year. Yeah, they have. But, you know, I mean, it's, I I feel like with him and with a lot of people, you got, you you can't buy too much stock in anything. You got to just kind of let it marinate, see what happens over time. Hopefully, until Dwight Howard puts an entire season together of, being a good locker room guy, I'm yep. going to be looking at him skeptically. It's like Ben Simmons shooting threes. Yeah. Unless, until Ben Simmons makes multiple threes in a game. or like Until, like, he, until he attempts multiple threes in a game. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I'm not losing my mind. Oh, Ben Simmons. Oh, my God. He can shoot now. He's, 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 now, he's now tied Shaquille O'Neal in the all-time three-point makes. <laughs> Facts. We'll get we'll get to the weird Sixers another day. We'll get to them next yeah. episode. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna wrap up there. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up there. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. We expect to be back next week. In the meantime, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time off. Uh, maybe hey, maybe maybe you maybe you've been listening to this podcast on your trip home. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, have a great meal, have a great time, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys later. 100% turkey is overrated. That's all I got to say. Shout out to the scorers. Hive. See you guys. <laughs>